0: this thing on cool hello and welcome to the next episode of uncultured the podcast i'm your host crippa here to add a little bit of color to your weeks this week's guest is no one it's just me this week um I thought we'd have a little chat about your wildest period stories. Why is it that there is so much shame surrounding menstruation? I think it's an important topic to discuss because, yeah, it is a really prevalent thing in South Asia. But the more research I did, the more I started to learn about the taboo across the world and how it's not just limited to South Asia. This is for men, for women, for non-binary people, for anyone that menstruates and anyone that doesn't. I'm really excited, so let's get into it. Hello, 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 hello. It is very, very good to just sit down. I'm literally under my sheets, in bed, with my electric blanket on. It is locked down and I feel like there's so much to do and so much time to do it, yet I'm not doing it. But I'm very proud of myself. I cleaned my room yesterday. It is sparkling. It smells amazing. It smells like um, Glen 20, probably because I sprayed that around the room. <laughs> I'm really uh, living it up and i have reached the point where i am recording the podcast from my bed as soon as i realized that the sound quality it doesn't matter whether i'm like all set up at my desk or whether i'm in bed i was just like i'm going to do it we have some really exciting guests coming up and i'm very excited to get into conversation with a couple of them share their stories with you i also have a really exciting announcement but you know when like influences Post about this super exciting announcement that they have, and they're like releasing a book or doing something really exciting, but they keep saying, I wish I could share it with you guys, but I can't. And I know that's super annoying, but I feel like I know how that feels now. Am I an influencer? It's truly where I'm at right now with my life. Anyway, um, I did post on my Instagram story a couple weeks ago. Uh, to ask you guys for your wildest period stories. And unsurprisingly, my audience is primarily South Asian people. I mean, obviously everyone has their set of stories around period shame, menstruation shame, the taboo, how they've been treated, or like icky situations that they've got themselves in as a result. But in particular, I felt like with south asian people there's an added layer and i'll I'll delve into that like why the heck we are where we are with our perception of menstruation guys i've been getting really into true crime i thought it was really not my thing because i'm not into like gory stuff and i'm not into um yeah like murder and But I get it now, like I've been into it. I've been watching Bella Fiore on YouTube. She's amazing. I really like solved mysteries. Um, And I think what I like about it is not so much the actual murder or the actual incident, but I've been getting really into like the psychology behind the murder itself, like what led the person to do what they did and um, their relation to the victim itself highly recommend bella Fiore. also really like kendall ray i've also been listening to a bunch of podcasts i'll link them down in the show notes but if you're not into true crime and if you always felt like true crime was just not your thing i was the epitome of true crime not being my thing and lockdown has just propelled me into this absolute true crime binge and Like, I just, I feel like there's so much content out there, like the top five podcasts in Australia are are all true crime related and there's a reason for that. It is just so interesting. I think it's an element of, like, not being able to, like, it's so taboo, right? Like, killing people and, like, understanding, just realise how stupid that sounded, it's really taboo to, like, kill people (laughs) no, it's horrible. But I think that's what it is because it's so untouchable. It's so not tangible. It's not something that we see in our everyday. And because it's so like taboo, it's so interesting to hear stories about people that have actually faced it or people that have committed it. It's just very interesting to understand that side of human psychology. So highly recommend. That's where I'm at pretty much. Um, Let's get into it though. I'm really excited to talk about this. I was doing research for this episode and I think that as I did the research, I felt like I learned so much about like history, about the treatment of women in particular in South Asian history. It was the night before Pongal in 2009, not a creature was stirring. Not even a bovine. Kripa was in the shower. No, this is weird. Okay, I'm going to stop. Um, It was the summer of 2009. And I remember... I, th- I must have been, like, I think 12. It was just before high school started. It was uh January. I remember getting my period um in the shower, actually. And I was thinking back on this after having a conversation with a friend I think before I got my period I had a very tight-knit group of family friends and we would talk about it in a very uh, excited way like very much like if you hadn't got it you're missing out if you had it you could know things that the others couldn't know and so the people that didn't have it had like FOMO about it and when people did get it there was this like like amazing joy of being part of something. Yet when I did get it, I remember the feeling, the overwhelming feeling that I had was firstly just shame. I felt embarrassed. I felt like I actually felt like I'd done something wrong. Anyway, it was like a dot, like probably the size of like confetti. And I was just so upset at myself. I was so angry at myself. Why did I need to do this just before high school? High school is supposed to be this really exciting time and now I'm ruining it and taking the attention away from it in my life. It felt like an absolute downer. It felt like something that was going to cause problem. It's yeah it just wasn't exciting despite the excitement that I felt leading up to it I remember when I had my first like it's called it's called a menarche by the way I remember when I had my first proper bleed like that it was really heavy and I felt like I I needed to talk to my mum about it and I went and I showed my mum. I told her look I, I think I've Bled way too much um I feel like something's wrong with me and she was like okay can you show me I went and I showed her the pad anyway it was like a brush stroke <laughs> little did I know <laughs> that is not a heavy flow um it was just v- like for whatever reason I didn't understand I think a lot of this obviously in hindsight thinking about it it stems from the fact that a lot of our culture and I I don't think it's just our culture I think this is across the board but there's a lot of whispering when talking about it not talking about it in front of men Um, education at school we had this we had this kind of program that came to school called interrelate where we would learn about sex education and I really do feel like sex education and menstrual education should overlap a little but there should be It should almost be its own thing because there's just so much to know that we didn't learn at school and I'm still only learning about now, about our menstrual cycle. When we did learn about it at school and it came with sex education, it was just all a lot of laughing, a lot of embarrassment. I think the uh, instructor had bought like her daughter's underwear or something, which firstly weird that she told us that, but she brought it and she kind of showed us how to put a pad on and it was just all like fits and giggles. I mean, we were young, we were immature, understandably, but as a result, it meant that it was an absolute taboo. I remember in my family and my extended family, we never referred to it as being in our period. We'd refer to it, oh, I got my headache. Can you get me stuff for headache? Which is, can you get me a pad? We still occasionally refer to it as that. Like, oh, it's because I was on my headache. I couldn't swim or whatever. I think it all stems from a lot of shame around it, religiously, but also just generally living in a society that isn't fully embracing of it. Here's the thing, though. What I don't understand is when I first got my period um, and this is very common in like I guess a South Asian but specifically so I'm South Indian so from in a South Indian household it's very common to receive gifts I don't mean like makeup or a watch or like you know little stuff I mean like five hundred dollars from every close family friend or gold jewellery that's worth $500. It's hugely celebrated. It's a symbol of womanhood and growth and reaching the next stage, and it's very exciting. And in some families, people actually have functions that are held, where the girl's offered all this jewellery, and men, women, everyone's invited. Um, I didn't have one of these, but I do know that it's a thing in some South Asian cultures. Why, then, is there such a contradiction between that and the shame that comes with our periods let's talk about it okay firstly I want to preface this is not just about Hinduism I'll be applying a Hindu lens today because there's a there's a couple of reasons for this uh, firstly India has a lot of influence as the largest and most populous South Asian country many though not all of those values or Indian values tend to trickle down and I guess because Indus Valley, Um, existed back in the day, the good old days, when all South Asian or many South Asian countries were linked, a lot of the cultures and practices uh, tend to overlap. Secondly, because there is such long-lasting Hindu nationalism in India, even though there are many religions that make up India, Hinduism has been the prevailing religion that has had the most influence on culture. So even though India is supposed to be this super secular nation where laws and practices are not influenced by religion. The unfortunate reality is that many, and I'd err on the side of most practices and cultures and thoughts and beliefs stem from. Hindu practices, and thirdly, I'm Indian, so this is my personal experience. That being said, like I said, uh, many traditional religions consider menstruation ritually unclean, impure. It's it's pretty much universal. It stems from a lot of the idea that menstruation should be hidden. Like I mentioned, by contrast, in many kind of hunter-gatherer societies, and like the way that we stemmed from. Prior to like civilization, prior to capitalism and globalization and all that kind of stuff, menstruation was empowering and it was sacred and it 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 was something to be respected and revered. And it's interesting to kind of handle that contrast because some religions see it one way, some religions see it another way, and Most religions actually see it as both, which is why it's such a confusing contradiction. There is so much about how it is a taboo and how it should be hidden and how it's disgusting and impure. But at the same time, it's like, oh my gosh, without it, we wouldn't have life and women need to be protected and women need to be respected. I will also flag when I am talking about all this, I am referring to women, but this isn't specific to women. This is menstruators in general. So people who may not be women but menstruate as well or people that are women but don't menstruate. I am covering this as a blanket so menstruators is is what I'm referring to. But I do say women in a lot of this because a lot of religious values stem from ostracizing women and link having your period to being women which is Obviously, not the case. And then the other end of the spectrum is hey, this is time for you to relax and you don't have to do your daily chores because obviously menstruation is very tiring. It takes a toll on one's energy and ability to participate in everyday chores. So, hey, this is an opportunity for you to relax. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, Uh, The menstrual taboo is a thing across multiple religions and is universal Um, and some can argue it's not even just a religious thing, it is just a societal cultural thing. I think it's a bit of both. I think that a lot of the religious taboo is what influences cultural taboo. Uh, most of the following beliefs tend to be more orthodox and may not be followed by all devotees of each of these religions. It's more just, hey, what do the religious texts say about this stuff? Okay. Um, The Jewish Torah doesn't allow you to have sex with a menstruating woman for about a week until she has a bath in the mikvah. By the way, if that means that you can't have sex with a woman while she's menstruating plus a week thereafter, that means two weeks of every month you have to abstain from sexual activity. So I think this kind of stems from, again, the idea that any menstruating person is considered unclean and anyone that touches her becomes unclean. In Oriental Orthodox Christianity, it's kind of similar to the whole Jewish concept of being ritually unclean. Pope Dionysus of Alexandria said that not even they themselves would dare when in this state to approach the holy table or touch the body and blood of Christ. Mm. That being said, like some of the constitutions disagree with this, in Islam, during your period, women are excused from praying, from fasting. It's pretty dangerous to not eat while on your period. It can be something that takes a toll on you. Pilgrimages are allowed. You can enter the mosque. There's also a bath that you must engage in or take. The traditional Islamic interpretation of the Quran forbids sex during a period, but it allows for everything that isn't intercourse my favorite thing that i saw when i was reading was if a man is engaged in sexual intercourse with his wife and discovers that her period has started he must immediately withdraw it's like i'm just gonna leave that up to personal interpretation buddhism is goat I got to say, having your period is a natural physical excretion that women have to go through on a monthly basis, nothing more and nothing less. And I hate myself for saying goat. I'm pretty sure I literally gave my friend Simran, who was the guest on our first episode, pretty sure I gave a shit for saying it. And now I'm sort of started to say it. Hinduism, the whole idea is that it's a period of purification is the whole idea, right? Here's the thing, like if you have sex with a woman... During her period, it leads to the birth of an evil-minded villain. Pretty sure then my mum must have been in her period when she conceived me. Lol. (laughs) And finally, Sikhism, having a period does not lead to anything impure. Nothing's restricted during this time. No activities are restricted, which is, again, absolute GOAT. We take the opportunity to... To sit down and be like, hey, this is a progression to womanhood. It is an occasion to be revered. At the same time, it's like, yes, we respect you and we're excited, but also you need to sit in that corner of the house. To be honest, there's no basis around this, but this is my kind of view on it. If we're looking from a patriarchal lens, obviously... Everything is used as a tool of oppression historically, right? Now, obviously it exists in some communities now, but the taboo that's lasted, it feels like it's celebrated because it's like, oh, finally she can give birth and fulfill her duty as being a woman. You know, she can do now what she was born to do, but, you know, we oppress her. So it's it's not like we're celebrating the woman. We're, We're celebrating her duty as a woman. And that's kind of what I see. What are the kind of things that Hinduism restricts? The general understanding is that, you know, you have to sleep in another room, you have to sleep on the floor, you um, have your own space, like this like, uh, like almost like a little granny flat, but it's not that bougie, you're banished. You can't eat with everyone else, you can't touch the food that everyone else has to eat, you can't eat spicy food, you can't touch any male members of the family. In some cultures, women have to like bury their clothes that they wore because it's all linked to like evil spirits and bringing, you know, misfortune upon the family. And get this, I found this so ridiculous, but it is believed that if a girl or woman touches a cow while she's on her period, the cow will become infertile, which is like... What, like, what are we celebrating? Anyway, so rewind. Like, where does this all come from? This still exists in villages in India, in especially lower caste households who don't have the exposure and education to fully understand what the impact of this is. Makes me sad. So it dates back to the Vedic times. So the whole idea is that indra murdered vritra which is a serpent demon indra was actually so consumed with guilt for killing vritra because vritra was actually a brahmin who was upper caste in society so he felt so guilty for this one of the things he forced to take on his guilt so one third of his guilt was taken on by women through monthly menstruation like obviously there are spiritual reasons for the menstrual taboo to exist but what i don't understand is scientific reasons like honestly people are allowed to use the bathrooms in temples and take a shit some people even have to take a shit on the side of the pilgrimage or like pee on the side of the pilgrimage because there isn't an access to a bathroom in some parts of it and like that stuff isn't considered impure but like wearing a pad inside of your you know underwear when you menstruate is considered impure it's just like it doesn't make scientific sense like you can literally <laughs> you can literally take a fat old shit in the temple without washing your hands and you are still considered more pure than a physically clean woman who happens to be menstruating at the same time it's just like come on She the People, who who are a kind of media outlet, they came out with just an absolute A plus take on this. They said, like verbatim, they said, A woman's body itself is a taboo that arouses sexual desires, divinity, or disgust. Rather than viewing them as part of human autonomy, women's bodies are referred to as an embodiment of family honour or the ground of political, familial and sexual violence. Because of this, women's bodies, especially reproductive and sexual organs, are acceptable only if they're covered, invisible and not talked about. So as a result, periods, pregnancy, breast milk and all other normal functions of a woman's autonomy became taboos, shame, disgust and silence, which is just chef's kiss. Such a perfect understanding and such a perfect summary of where all of this stuff stems from and the reason for so much of it, because It is such a taboo because there is so little conversation had about this. According to a study, 71% of adolescent girls in India are unaware of menstruation until they actually get it. According to a study, 36% of 355 million menstruating people in India use sanitary napkins. So that's 70, wait. 64 of oh, my maths. Um so that that means 64% of people actually have to use like old rags, ash, mud, soil, all this like life-threatening stuff to manage their flow, which obviously leads to so much complication. It can lead to infection, it can lead to death. I guess the other impact of it is that a lot of girls young girls have to kind of consider the opportunity cost, like the balance of do I burden my family by requesting a sanitary napkin or do I allow them to spend money for food to be able to eat and survive? It's like that kind of dilemma should not be one that anyone faces. 23 million girls drop out of school Annually, after starting their periods. That's based on a 2014 study by Dasra, which is a charity that works in adolescent health. The reason that they drop out is because of poor access to clean toilets and schools and sanitary products, and a fear of getting like teased by their classmates if they happen to leak, which is just the most heartbreaking thing. The fact that this impact goes beyond you know firstly history secondly under the table whispering this is something that prevents girls from getting an education it prevents girls from being able to enter places of worship it prevents girls from being able to to live healthily and a lot of the time they just aren't allowed to be prioritized i can just absolutely imagine that it's not a priority for a lot of families but the issue is that a lot of this is coming from women and other menstruators so I think the issue here is that this needs to be something that everyone encourages conversation on whether you menstruate or not whether you're a woman or not if you're a man who doesn't menstruate you you know, we'd love to have you as part of this conversation because there is just no way to move forward and allow a lot of these barriers to crumble down without the support of men. Show them this episode or show them some of the links that are dropped in the show notes and talk about it. Um, Another whole element of this is that There is absolutely minimal education even in the Western world around the impact of the menstrual cycle on our moods, on our ability to function on a day-to-day basis. I spoke to Jumana Khan who started her own page around facilitating conversations around menstrual health for South Asian women in particular. Um, The page is called Bijaru, B-I-J-A-R-U-H, which means seed in soul in both Urdu and Sanskrit. She talked about this really amazing analogy uh, to do with menstruating and the menstrual cycle and the seasons of a year. So I'm just going to pop in a quick recording of her um, talking about that because I just thought it's just such an interesting way to look at it. I'm really keen on understanding the impact of the cycle on my mood and my energy as well. So I'm really keen to share that with you.
1: The menstrual cycle is varied. So for example, I have a 27-day cycle. In those 27 days, there is not one day where you will feel the same because your hormones are doing different things at different phases of the cycle. A really easy way to actually visualize it is to think of your menstrual cycle in four seasons. Winter, so that's the day that you're bleeding. Sorry, the days that you're bleeding. And this is a time when you generally feel more inward. You feel more tired and you kind of just want to like stay home, have a hot water bottle, cozy up. After that, we head into spring. Estrogen levels are picking up, which is our really feel-good hormone. And we are starting to get a bit more chatty, starting to get more social and we're getting ready to ovulate. When we hit peak ovulation, That's our summertime. That is when our estrogen is at its peak. That's because our body is getting ready in the hope to reproduce. So this is when we feel like a real boss bitch. Our skin's probably at the best at this time. Then we head into a decline. This is when progesterone will start rising. The hormone that keeps us calm. It's progestation. So essentially it's the hormone that takes care of a baby if it's being produced. This is our PMS. And that's generally... When our hormones are actually fluctuating quite a bit. So we can feel a bit irritated, a bit annoyed, which is where the whole PMS things come from. It's natural, it happens, it's normal. And yeah, and then we go back into winter, which is our menstruation. So um, that was super life changing for me because I was like, wow, there is an explanation for all the feelings.
0: Okay, I just pulled Instagram up. I My phone was charging and it's perpetually on like 5%. And so I'm like, look, I'm going to charge my phone before this episode. What a concept. Anyway. So on the 24th of June, I asked you guys, if you're religious, are you allowed to enter um, religious institutions like church or a temple um, while you're menstruating? So 56% of you said no. Then I asked you, was your mother or grandmother ostracized through childhood when they got their period? 46% of you said yes. I said, have you ever felt ostracized for menstruating? 46% of you said yes. For the men that made it this far, how interested are you in understanding the effects of the menstrual cycle on the people in your life? And the average answer was, I'm interested and would go out of my way to learn. So, to those men, hello. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Okay, then I asked you guys for your wildest period shame stories. First one. I leaked through my pad onto my school skirt and swore my friends to secrecy. Literally, same. I feel like everyone's gone through this. I feel like I've heard so many stories about this happening. Once I had a situation and shout out to my friend that helped me where I absolutely soiled and I wasn't a kid. I was literally in year nine. I absolutely soiled my seat in history or it might've been commerce. Ended up having to change into my cadet uniform. I don't know if you guys had cadets, but my school had like army cadets and I was like this complete army cadet wanker. Turned up to my next class in my cadet uniform and it wasn't a cadet day. It was like, I think only Thursdays people wore cadet uniforms. So I stuck out like a, what's the, what's the saying? Stuck out like a needle bush something. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google this now. Live Googling. Stuck out uh, like uh oh a sore thumb. I stuck out like a sore thumb. Okay the next one. I'm not allowed to say I'm on my period in front of my dad. Dude, my dad buys me pads. Are you kidding me? That is so sad. I'm really really sorry that you're in an environment where you cannot say it to your dad. The next one is Being locked away in a room when I got my period for the first time because this was tradition. I can't believe this is still happening like in our generation. It is 2021 and I cannot believe that this is still happening. And like I said earlier in this episode, I'm very aware that it is still happening and it's happening a lot. In fact, it is normal procedure in a lot of parts of South Asia and across the world. That's just very upsetting. The next one is, it is hypocritical when they say you're dirty, yet you're expected to do tasks as normal. 100% like you're apparently dirty. You're also put in a room because you are needing to rest. Yet, I'll put money on the fact that a lot of women are still expected to do their daily chores. All right. um, The next one is, I'm not allowed to touch anything God-related while menstruating in my house. Yeah, this is... Yeah, such a stitch up. It, I used to carry like a little Lord Ganesha in my handbag everywhere when I was a like, kid. Yes, I carried a handbag as a kid. I remember like when I got my period, I used to like just have to keep it out of my handbag. Um, or I used to have to wrap it in something. Someone said, I don't care. I allow myself in. No menstruating God leaves their abode. Yes, this. There is like a meme on this, actually. I'll send it. I'll post it. I was going to say I'll send it to you guys. Yeah, I'll send it to all of you individually. No. Um, yeah, there is a meme on this about how like a female god is like leaving the temple because she has a period. It's so true. Like no menstruating god leaves their abode. I think it's just so hypocritical. We pray to and respect female gods yet suppress women. Someone said this one's close to home. My family grew up in a very traditional and conservative house in India. Every single month when she got her period, she would be allocated this one corner of the house where she would eat, sleep and stay until it was over. She had to hand wash her own clothes during this time. It was an open house, so guests who came over would be told that she's on her period and to go around the house to the back in order to avoid her on their way in. Kids would play in the neighborhood and when my my And when my mom told them she couldn't come, they knew exactly why. The boys would laugh and make fun of her. And she tells me that as a 10-year-old, the fact that everyone around her knew and were avoiding her was more humiliating. She actively made sure I never went through any of that when I was growing up. This is so heartbreaking. I feel like the story is... The prime example of the way that this manifests still in so many households and it's really lucky that this particular poster hasn't gone through it but the fact that her mom went through it is just so heartbreaking i yeah could put money on the fact that this is a very 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 common story amongst a lot of mothers and grandmothers in our parents generations and maybe it's the case for some of you guys as well Um, someone said, during a campaign I did for period poverty last year, out of the hundreds who donated and shared the post, only one guy did. I asked numerous guys to share it and they all said they would probably to shut me up, but they never did. The one who ended up sharing it and donated was an older guy who was married with two kids. He would have witnessed his wife's menstrual cycle being part of creating his family. So I guess in his case, the opportunity presented itself. Yeah, this is a conversation that we need to be having. Obviously, given the poll that I did, so many men are interested in understanding it. I think that the nature of society is that we tend to care about things that impact us. We tend to feel more strongly when something is happening in our home country, or we tend to feel more strongly when we can empathize. And because a lot of men can't empathize or because a lot of non-menstruating men can't empathize, it's harder for them to engage in conversation or be passionate about it, which by no means am I saying that this is okay. I think that we need to normalise having these conversations. And if there are any men listening to this, thank you for engaging in the conversation. I think even just listening to this is an example of being interested and wanting to engage in conversation. I think there's so much that can be done from the perspective of men. And I think well, the uncomfortable reality is that men's voices are more valued in most circles, whether that's in – You know, a boardroom, whether that's in a social circle, whether that's in a family kind of situation, men's voices are more valued in general. And so, by having more men on our side to kind of discuss this, to discuss not just the menstrual taboo, but to discuss the effect of the menstrual cycle on women and how we kind of. Go through the ups and downs of life through hormones and all that stuff. Just having men on our side is just an absolute necessity. Someone said, alternate view. Women did all the housework and praying work back in the day, and the only way to get them to relax and take it easy while on their period was to say that they aren't allowed in the temple and kitchen. A lot of tradition has good reason behind it, but people, especially in older generations, fail to realize that the standards behind these traditions may not apply anymore. Yeah, this is very true there was there's definitely a lot of um a lot of aspects of the tradition and culture that stem from this as well um the thing is what changed to make this compassion turn into complete ostracization given that we're changing now like a lot of men engage in housework seems to be that the menstrual taboo is this ever-standing pillar of our culture Okay. Someone said, one time I leaked onto a white chair at work and the practice manager noticed before I did. Dude, this is my absolute worst nightmare. Oh my God. Like, I guess there's an element to being allowed to be embarrassed about this stuff because ultimately like having your period is um, a very intimate thing and it's not something that you want to be showing people at work, but different to being linked to the taboo. Yeah. I think that's just Terrifying, but also something we can all laugh at, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) In hindsight. (laughs) Okay, someone said it was year 10 exams. I was one of the first people to walk out and I had a huge stain. I was walking up the stairs with everybody behind me, and one girl tapped me on my shoulder and told me I had a huge stain. Shout out to my best friend who told me immediately. She gave her my jumper and I quickly tied it around my waist. That is a that is a true friend right there. I hope you're still friends. Okay, the next one. I got my period mid-group interview. I refused to get out of my seat for two hours straight. You know that feeling when you're like sitting down and you know that you've got your period? Like that's a very hard dis- thing to describe to people who don't menstruate. But like you are just sure that you have it. And that's when you kind of get your friend to like check. Someone said, yeah, when I got my period, I cried alone for hours. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that absolutely is something that I can relate to as well. Um, Getting it for the first time, or like even not for the first time, even if you're just super hormonal, sometimes you start crying at things and you don't realize why you're crying until after. (laughs) Someone said, I wore white jeans to a uni shoot and obviously it leaked really, really bad. And this guy kept pushing me to take his jacket and I was like, bro, he's such a perv, but he continued to like offer it. So I told him I wasn't cold at all. Uh, But he said in the sweetest way, I'm sorry to be the one to say this, but I think you're bleeding and I've never been so embarrassed. So I took, so I took his jacket and never saw him again. So now his jacket just sits in my wardrobe reminding me. Oh, that's actually a really sweet story. You should have gotten his number. (laughs) That would have been such a nice way to meet someone. And kids, that is how I met your father. We stand a, we stand a man who, who protects us? Last story. It's a bit of a long one. They say, please, anon, obviously. Okay, yes, everything is anon. I use a menstrual cup. I love it so much. But years ago, when I first started using it, I had a 14 hour workday and left it in for the whole time. And I was traveling interstate too. So it was a while before I could find a bathroom to empty it. When I finally got to a bathroom, not only did it leak through my pants, thank God I was wearing black so you couldn't tell so much, but when I took it out, it literally exploded because it was so full and it went everywhere, all over me, my clothes, my shoes, and all over the cubicle I was in. I could hear the cleaner coming in and mopping the rest of the restroom. So I took the toilet paper and tried to clean up as much of it as I could, but it was so much that it looked like a murder scene where there was a full-on struggle. It was too far gone and I was about to miss my flight. So I had to walk out of there covered in blood interstate and had to do this guilty walk of shame past this poor cleaner. This is well above their pay grade and they did not deserve what they had cleaned up. I now make sure to empty my cup every six to eight hours. Oh my God. That is a really good one to end on. Um, I have so many questions. Like, did you walk through the airport with blood all over you? Like, did you did you wipe it off your face? Did the cleaner quit (laughs) oh my god that is really horrifying although i've heard some really wonderful things about menstrual cups and i really want to try one because of like the environmental impact and stuff i suppose this is a a great motivation for me to start using one no not really but also it does sound like you've kind of worked your way around it thank you all for tuning in i think i'm gonna clock out now I had a good time chatting. I am really grateful for you guys for sending your stories in. Some of them were pretty wild. Some of them were um, pretty relatable. I think that the answer to breaking down the menstrual taboo is to talk about it. Use the word period. Use the word menstruating. Use the word pad. Use the word tampon. Don't hide your tampons or pads in like your pocket or in a little pencil case when you're going to the bathroom to change it. Whip it out for everyone to see. Let the world know what you're doing. Calls to action, yeah, talk about it. Talk to men about it. Men, if you're listening, bring it up with your boys. Just be like, you know what would be super manly, guys? learning about the menstrual cycle. No, but seriously, like talk about it. Bring it up with, I mean, if you're close to your mum, just talk to her about it. If you're close to your girlfriends, talk to them about it. Just do your own research. Uh, Check out the show notes. I've got a lot of links down there. You can kind of go through them. Obviously, there are structural changes that need to be made. There are legislative changes that need to be made in South Asian countries in particular. I think the first step is to untaboo the taboo. Let me know if you have any thoughts, if I got any of the facts wrong, which is very possible. Um, There was just so much information to digest and research. But if there is something that I've said about your religion or your practice that you think needs to be corrected, let me know and I will post about it. I will correct it. And I think that's it for today. Thanks for listening. You can follow us at unculturedpod on Instagram and I'll see you next week with some exciting guests. Bye.